You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! I don't understand. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. And I ain't here for no foolishness. That's right. It's the X-Man Podcast. I am your host, Doc Coyle. Welcome. That was, I was waiting for the applause or something, but I guess that didn't happen. Just here on the road in my hotel room in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Goddamn. Goddamn America, man, I tell you. Uh... Yeah, we're a little more than a week, about 10 days into this uh, Bad Wolves tour with Five Finger Death Punch, Three Days Grace, and Fire from the Gods, and it's been great. If you follow me on social media, you've been seeing the pictures, you know me, doing doing my lifestyle porn. I'm like, hey guys, you know, just just me playing for $10, you know, all that bullshit. It is cool, though. I'm not going to lie. It is cool. But um, no, the tour is doing well. The record came out, uh, hit the charts, didn't do as well as the last album. And part of me was thinking, I was like, is that just because the zombie single sold so much it like bolstered the sales, so it like inflated the sales? Maybe the last record, and maybe this is more than normal. I don't know. But the streams are off the chain. We're like, we're at like almost three million monthly listeners on Spotify, which is a lot. Uh, so I don't know, I guess the, the metrics have changed how, how you judge uh, success, uh, but overall the band's doing well, I'm having a lot of fun, it's really cool playing new songs live that reinvigorates, I think, yourself uh, on stage, makes it more interesting, because uh, you like the songs better, you think they're better songs, you know, it's more, there's more uh, unpredictability and novelty, and it's kind of cool in this tour, we actually finally have some lights, we have a lighting guy, so some production happening. We have uh, someone doing monitors, so it sounds better on stage, and all that stuff is uh, is nice. It's nice to uh, feel like you're you're moving up a little bit. So things things are going well. Um, trying to stay limber, you know, maybe not eating the best, drinking a little too much, but I'm having fun, having a little too much fun, you know, with uh, drinking too much. Not that I'm drinking like crazy. I'm just you know, just enjoying myself. Probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast, you know. I should be like keeping this to myself, goddammit. But you know, one day I'll have a cucumber, some arugula. But um saw a couple movies, saw Terminator Dark Fate. Everyone's hating on this movie. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought that was actually pretty cool. I understand why people don't like it. Uh 
But from a filmmaking perspective, I think it's actually a, a pretty competently made film. There's some cool aspects to the film and different uh, co- components, even though I think the we send the the machine sends something back and then the good guy sends something back to protect somebody. It's a bit of a tired trope, and I think that might be frustrating people, and I understand. Also saw Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Very good. I enjoyed it. Maybe a little long. Uh, some things, you know, it take, took a while to get into it. Wasn't totally a big, huge fan of the ending, but I recommend it. Go see it. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, yes, yeah, about it. You know, and I'm doing this instead of, you know, the Disney Plus, Plus app launched tonight while I'm recording this. And so instead of watching The Mandalorian or catching up on Watchmen television show, which which is excellent. You should watch that. Uh, I'm doing this, you know, because I care about you guys. I love you. But um, all right. I'm going to stop yammering. We have a show sponsor. And this is like actually basically not even a show sponsor. These are my homies. Um, I had the opportunity when I was playing with Mark Morton from Lamb of God to jam with Nick and Mark from the band Sons of Texas, and they have a new EP that just dropped called Resurgence. Just three songs, but it's badass. They are so damn talented, and they asked me to play a song on here called Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels or some shit like that. It's a really good song. It's kind of like a country metal song, you know, boogie woogie, and it's really good. It's really catchy, but I made an executive decision. You know what? I think this other song is gonna grab the uh, the 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 X Men listeners a little bit more quickly. I could be wrong, and so you know, hopefully they won't be mad at me. But I'm gonna play a track called Resurgence, the title track. Check it out; it's a banger. I thought that I could breathe I'm thrown into the deep In the middle of a vast and violent sea I'm fucking slipping through the cracks Sinking in quicksand Till lift me up What I'm in vision The circuit knocks you on your ass Get up Be a man So now I'm 
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Bam! So that was Resurgence from the EP of the same name by Sons of Texas. That's a badass song. Those guys are so talented. Mark is an amazing singer. Nick, one of the best bass players I've ever played with. They're guitar players. Those guys shred. I need to go back uh, back to the, the, the woodshed and get, and get my life together because these guys are going to play me off the goddamn uh, table. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's great. The whole EP is great. Like I said, it's only three songs, so you can you can get in and out of there about 15 minutes. Uh, but you should check it out anywhere you, where you uh, stream music. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Music. And if you want to check out the band, please head on over to Facebook.com backslash Sons of Texas Music. And they are currently on tour with September Morning, uh, Friends of the Show. And uh, yeah, please go out, support them, check out the EP. And you know, I think they're in between record labels right now. So if you're, you know, a, a young and up and coming A and R professional, you wanna, you know, make some waves at the company. You might want to pick these guys up. You know, get them, get them while they're hot because they they clearly have all the tools. They are they are fucking awesome. So thank you to them for sponsoring the show. If you would like to sponsor the show, you know what to do. Send me an email to the X Man Podcast at gmail or just hit me up on social media and be like, yo, Doc, what's up? Holler at your boy. What's up with getting on the show? What I got to do? You know, you know what you got to do? You got to put that paper in my wallet. God damn it. Popeye's chicken sandwiches ain't free, y'all. Okay? They don't pay. Actually, Chris Kane from my band be buying them for me. So, for me, they've been free lately. But generally, that is not the case. Anyway, we have a guest this week. His name is Steve Escobar. He is the lead singer and bass player for the band Skin Lab. And he's a guy I've known for a very long time. I think they're a really cool band. They are their new album is <laughs> Venomous, man. It's it's fucking great. Um I, you know, very pleasant surprise. You know, they've got back together and 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 put that out, you know. But I, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it. But Steve's a really cool guy and you know, ex label mates. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about that. And uh and yeah, I, I love bringing people uh, on the show 
that I have a history with um, and and that we have a shared um, kind of, you know, a journey together. And Steve is is definitely one of those guys. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Please check out my conversation with Mr. Steve Esquivel. Welcome to the X-Man podcast. Really happy that you uh, took the time out of your day to uh, come do this. Oh, man. Thank you. No, very, uh, I'm very stoked to be. I'm a fan of the podcast, brother. Right on, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, there's a lot of figures um, that I think, you know, come out in and out of your, your, your life, you know, uh, when you've been in this industry for as, as long as I have and as long as, as, as you've been. And, you know, we have a lot of parallels in that, you know, essentially I, I got to meet you and uh, the Skin Lab guys uh, right pretty much immediately when God forbid signed with Century Media because we were we were label mates. Okay. Was it was it then or, or because I think we met at WSOU, right? Like um, formally? Well, <laughs> it really depends when you look at it. So there's actually even it goes even further than that. So yeah, 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 the sure. first ever uh, interaction, I can't remember if, if we even met any of you guys. I'm sure we did. But so before we were called, God forbid, <laughs> we we were called insalubrious, <laughs> which okay. is a, a take on a, a, a carcass record. Uh, we borrowed the word oh, from, from one of the, the, the carcass record. And um, the second show we ever played, we uh, sold tickets to open up for the Exodus reunion tour with Paul Bailoff, and you guys were the direct support band. And so the show yeah. you guys played at Obsessions in Randolph, New Jersey, we were like the local band. Now were you signed then? No, we were pretty terrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, me and my brother were still in high school. So <laughs> we were still in high school playing playing songs off this demo we had. Like I said, it was the second time we ever... I think I played on stage, ever. Oh wow! Yeah, I and, remember. I remember that that show, and I remember being spooked out, like just coming to it. You know, like I think the promoter uh, met us down like the dirt path that it took to get there. Am I correct? Is that the place? Um, and it was like in the middle of nowhere kind of deal. It was well. It was more like in suburbia middle of nowhere it wasn't like in the woods or some some stuff but it definitely was off the beaten path for where venues usually are and that venue you know it's come up a few times on the podcast because it's uh you know kind of infamous you know (laughs) because uh god forbid played there we did that show we did a show there with uh in flames and seven dust and it's been a you know a lot a lot of ups and downs The, the promoter was specifically known for being shady and uh, <laughs> but uh, the club actually itself, I thought was pretty cool. Once you got in there, um, it was just right. A, I do remember that. And I re- and that show, I just remember it was like it was packed. There was probably like eight hundred people there, or something like that. It was actually like a really great crowd, and people were 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 pumped up on on you guys in a in Exodus at least. Right, right. Well, dude, I, I totally remember that, and I remember like later on. Um, your brother reminded me of that. He's like, yeah, I remember we signed with you. You know, like before we signed, we played with you guys. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I remember that show being kind of uh, pretty wild. There's like, I remember a band called like Pickle or something like that. One of uh, one of Billy Milano's friends played. And we just got the biggest kick out of like they're a hardcore band. 
but yeah. they were super, super intense. Um, it was a weird night, but yeah, totally, brother. I, I remember that, and I do remember, God forbid, from like uh, I believe you guys played WSOU. Well, so was so are you talking about that uh, the Riverfront Rampage show, or just we were at the radio station? Yes. Yes, that's what it was. Okay, but keep in mind, so Riverfront Rampage, that's 2001, right? Summer 2001. Right. It, was, it, was, it was a little bit later, mm-hmm, for sure. Um, but we actually, so when, when God Forbid and Skin Lab actually played together was at the, in 2000, and I was like, it was literally right when we signed our deal, but we didn't have a record out on Century Media. And it was the New Jersey, I think it was called the Metal Meltdown. And it was a, it was one of those crappy fests, and uh, <laughs> that that they had back back in the day. And this particular one was like it was in Pennsauken, New Jersey, in a place that looked like a fucking uh, airplane hangar or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was brutal hot. Brutally hot. I don't even remember the heat. I just remember for the size of the place, there just wasn't that many people there, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember and. Uh, SOD headlined and you guys played right before them. And I think we might've played right before you guys in this one, in this one stage. And, uh, I remember like you guys were like loading in and I rolled up and I forget who I was talking to snake or, or who else. I was like, Hey man, we're, uh, we're God forbid, man. We just sent this intermedia. <laughs> and he, this guy's like, yeah, yeah, kid. <laughs> but you guys are probably like, you know, beat down from, from driving and 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 whatever, uh-huh. dealing with the bullshit of the festivals, I like stuff like that. I I never per- take it personally. Even at the time, I was probably like sad. I was like, man, they, they didn't really want to talk to me. They probably didn't even believe me. <laughs> well, dude, see, that's the vibe I got from your brother when he came up to me and he said that. So that's why I brought that up because he came up to me and I I kind of felt like because yeah, we were we were worn out by the time. But I don't think you remember. Uh, I don't think right before you got there, Snake had got arrested. Holy um, shit! We were smoking weed. Yeah, we were smoking weed outside with the uh, dudes from uh, uh, fuck man, that one big stoner, Cephalic Carnage, right? And those big smokers. Yeah. And uh, and they they were the ones actually burning. We kept, took a hit. The cop came around and stick at the pipe, and they arrested them and and everything. And and I believe you guys pulled up like right after that. So we were just like, everything was just fucked. Yeah. That's (laughs) that's why I was trying to never take that stuff personally, because I feel like when, um, you know, when, uh, a lot of times people will meet, you know, band guys or whatever, and they'll be, you know, uh, or I didn't say bank. I just say famous people. Right. And the time you meet them, you never know what happened to them, what kind of day they're happening. They got into a fight with their wife. They're like you said, they got arrested. You just you, you never know. So you, so it's like I just never try and take that stuff too personally because I just know that, and especially now being on the other end of it a lot more. Sure. You know that uh, there's a lot more that goes into that. And don't take that one interaction as like who that person is. You're just kind of just capturing a snapshot, and it could be just the wrong place, wrong time. Sure. Unfortunately, we do, though. You know, it happens. And yeah, I mean, we're out there. You know what it's like. I mean, you're freaking slaving right now, you know, hitting, hitting it hard and it's like pulling up to a club. And also keep in mind, you know, that was a time, you know, we were pulling up playing these metal fests. And it's like that was a, a turning point for like our career because we've seen all you younger bands coming up. And man, you, you guys had 
you know, I remember just in WS again, I remember, you know, getting like the promos of God forbid and all these newer bands, you know, this, uh, like what's, I guess the new wave of heavy metal mm-hmm. you guys called it. Um, you know, I mean, dude, we were, we were kind of like, Oh shit. That, you know, there's, there's, there's something happening. And, and there was probably also that in the back of our mind too, to be honest, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you know, we've, we've, we felt it like we were putting that, that might've been like right around revolting room or something. Yeah. Before we, we, yeah, right before we really that felt it like, like, Whoa, something's fucking going on here. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's, that's definitely interesting. And, and we've experienced that too, you know, on the later end, of, not even the later end of our career, but kind of like that, that midpoint in the, in seeing how, the culture just might shift, you know, for any, yes. any band that's, that's trying to uh, maintain relevance. But what I want to actually uh, ask you about is kind of your guys early years, because, you know, I went back and, and looked at some of the earlier records and obviously the first record uh, came out in 97 bound gagged and blindfolded your first record with Century media. But you guys, I saw there were a handful of demos that you guys had, 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 had been working on. Um, so what was going on kind of before you guys got a record deal in the Bay Area um, and like that allowed you guys to kind of get the attention of um, a major metal record label? Uh, well, well, first of all, uh, I just left Defiance and, you know, I mean, we were on Roadrunners, so there was a little connection to the industry there. Okay, can you talk, but, talk uh, a little bit about that? So jump. that's what, what's Defiance now? See, now there's some research I didn't do. It was a band I joined uh, when I was 18, and uh, I joined them in their set. And, um, that, and that was more like a, in the thrash vein, right? Yeah, it was a bear thrash thing, uh, kind of like the third wave, kind of a uh, little bit around Forbidden and Violet's era, you know, Testament. Yeah. Um, and we were definitely uh, the smaller of, of all the bands, you know, kind of runt of the pack, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the the Bay Area scene was uh, you know when when we were Skin Lab had just started, uh, you you got you have to understand Machine Head had just taken off and they were fucking you know crushing the world, and I had just left Defiance, so I was looking for a heavier avenue, um, and and there was a you know there was there was a lot of uh, really there was like a real heavy movement in the Bay Area, um, some underground stuff uh, like Chris Contest's earlier band Grinch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um you know of course neurosis who was still underground um and then you know a, a, a few other bands like level and you know um bands that were just brewing something kind of really heavy and different than, than the thrash metal that the bear is known for and uh I, I think we we kind of uh gravitated towards that you know more towards the tool uh neurosis kind of side of things yeah, it's interesting how much of an impact uh, because I mentioned that when um, when Rob did my podcast, Rob Flynn, about re, you know going back and listening some, to some of the older stuff and, and hearing a lot of those more like atmospheric influences. And I forget, oh yeah, Neurosis is a is a Bay Area band as well, but you don't think about that as much. And you know, it's it's you know part of the reason how I you know what you were saying before brought me back to this is that you also, in the same way how Skin Lab, while you guys are doing something, you saw a changing in the guard or a changing in the kind of uh, the vibe of, of where the scene was going, you also were on the other end of that, right? Where thrash metal was kind of the dominant expression in, in heavy music, or at least underground heavy music 
uh, at the end of the 80s, leading to the early middle part of the 90s. And all of a sudden, you know, you wanted to go in a different direction and kind of see how uh, that kind of evolved into this thing. I, I wrote a, an article uh, when I was still writing for VH1 that still that comes up a lot on this this podcast because it you know I was talking about post thrash groove metal right this thing that we call mm-hmm. or just groove metal as you, if you want to call it but it, it seemed like a lot of those bands whether it's you guys or Machine Head or Prong um, you know so many bands from 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 that era uh, that it seemed that be this almost parallel thinking you know where everyone was tuned yeah. down a little bit getting a little more straightforward and simplistic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, did you, did you notice that as well? Like where that came from? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think it's kind of like whatever's in the water, you know what I mean? It's in the blood, the hardcore thing in New York, you know what I mean? It's like deep down inside, God forbid has that in them. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. And, and I, I think if we want to back up a little bit and I think Rob will totally agree with me, a lot of the heaviness that, uh, the melodic side of the, in the darkness came from like still the West coast, like in, from Alice in Chains. Yeah. So, so, so basically what, what happened here in the, in the, in the Bay area, if I could kind of let you in and kind of little, how things happened, Primus came basically came in and shut down the metal scene. Boom. Single hand. Oh yeah. You then know? you had Faith No More, who's also uh, yeah. Bay area. Faith too. No More. Yeah. No, all, all the girls were at our thrash shows at the Omni were like, where the fuck are all the chicks? You know? They're at the Fungo Mungo shows, they're at the Limbo Maniac shows, the Psycho Funkopus, the fucking Primus, all that stuff. Single-handedly, just shut down metal. Yeah. That that was it, okay? And then grunge came around, Pearl Jam came around, and, you know, I can remember, you know, me and Phil, would, I, I think Rob was there, but, you know, probably three out of 14 to 15 people that were in front of watching I mean, dude, Eddie Vedder gave me his beer. You know, there was like nobody in the crowd. He's like, here you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was really, really cool. So I, I think that we we all like that uh, heavy melodic side of things. But coming from the thrash side that we all came from, we couldn't very well sell out like that. Bailoff would not approve. You know, so we needed to, I, I think a lot of the influence of the darkness and stuff like that really seeped into what Rob did with Machine Head. Um, I think a lot of Allison Chains was involved, you know, very Allison Chains inspired. Um, and I, I, I totally was. I, I loved the the West Coast grunge thing, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that kind of sept creeped into Skin Lab's music a little bit, which that and Neurosis and, you know, that, that kind of sound. And, you know, kind of go back to what I said before, I mean, uh, how did you guys get the attention of uh, record labels? <laughs> well, again, um, my boy Rob, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so while Machine Head was gone, you know, all the handful of bands, Skin Lab, Man Made God, Level, all these bands, like we were fucking busting our ass at home, you know, because we knew that those dudes were going to come home and they're going to, you know, this the way we all do. We help out the band coming up you know what i mean you see someone band working hard you come well it just happened we were that band and rob came home from tour we uh i think we're at his birthday party and uh me and mike kind of the last man standing and Ginevra kicked us all out of the backyard and uh 
fucking Rob's just like, let's go get some beers, more beer, you know? And I think it was like really late. And Rob was like, you know what? I think I could get you guys signed. You know, I, I, I really like what you're doing. And me and Mike were just like, holy fuck, this is happening. And uh, I think a couple weeks later, we got a call from Monty Connor, you know, who originally was going to sign band. And uh, it was it was off in there. We didn't sign with Brother Runner. We ended up going with Century Media, but that's that's how we got into it, right there. Um, what? Well, why was that decision made? Uh, I think Rob liked the just the fact that we were dedicated to what we were doing, and um, you know, I think he's seen that. And uh, as a matter of fact, like he was involved in uh, the pre-production of our first album. He was like so into it that I. I you know, and that's what I do for bands around here and my homies who I see are trying hard. You know what I mean? If you're really pushing to do something, you believe in it that much that I see you believe in it. I back you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, I was uh, I was asking specifically the decision uh, to not sign with Roadrunner and to sign with Century Media. Was there like a deal thing, or well, Roadrunner wasn't really bringing something you liked, or would you, what was that about? Yeah, kind of funny little story. I mean. Basically, yeah, as much as Monty liked the band, um, he, you know, he, I, I think what he did was sold us wrong to uh, Sace Wessels. And <laughs> funny story, you know, I was like, why, why would we want another machine? That basically is what it came down to. And uh, I got that same call, you know, a couple weeks later, you know, apologizing that I uh, couldn't do it, you know. And uh, it's it kind of funny because we, I think we, we had the Machine Head tour uh, the more things changed toward before we had a deal, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, Borvoy, who was then Century Media A&R rep, he ended up offering us a deal knowing that we had this machine head tour. So it uh, kind of all happened pretty fast. Um, next thing you know, we were freaking in Europe with Andy Snape recording and living out in England for, you know, a few weeks at a time. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it's kind of funny because people, you know, you always hear of like, well, well I ain't going to tell you, Doc, you, you were whisked off into the wind pretty fast in your new band. <laughs> um, similar to like that, but on a much smaller level. You know what I mean? Just like, boom, here you go, kid. You want a contract? You're gone. Okay. Get on your bus. You know, you're, you're out of here. What, uh, what was it like working with Andy Sneap? Because that's a pretty great way to like start your your professional career with, uh, with, you know, at the time, you know, he wasn't the biggest name out there. Um, obviously his name, you know, the, the, the bands he worked with and he's, you know, one of the most influential, um, and prominent producers in, in metal ever. Uh, but ha like, how did that come about? And what, what was, what, what was that like, that experience? Like, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. I always work with him. He's great. Um, Again, I think we, we got robbed through, uh, you know, recommendations through Monty and, and Borboy um, and Rob. Uh, they, I think he had, uh, uh, Andy had gone in and did a lot of work on the More Things Change album. Yeah. And, and that kind of, uh, I, I'm not sure business-wise how that happened, but, yeah, that's how we got connected with him. And originally, it wasn't, you know, the fact that he did Machine Head. I mean, of course, that's awesome. And we knew that, obviously, that record sounds amazing. But we really want, liked him because of the demo that he did for a band called, called Iron Monkey. Um, mm. Me and our player, Mike. Yeah, like, we were blown away by that, by the, the, the room mics of, this, of the drums and this, 
and it still had that clicky kind of kick drum that he that he got from machine and everybody else from here on out uh, you know uh that's what we were really inspired by because again like when skin lab started we were really a lot uh uncontrolled feedback you know um you know what i mean yeah more, well, like, little very, noisy very, little, little, little messy yeah <laughs> yes yeah um yeah gotta have someone to control the chaos totally yeah i mean and and that's an art in itself so our guitar players mike and you know, everything back then was uh it was a it was a really cool thing that we had going but so when we got together with andy uh he actually brought the band to a whole nother level so by the time we got done working with andy on our our first album you know it 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 sounded like the iron monkey and way beyond anything we could have ever imagined he made our band sound like what the world became to know skin lab as right um yeah and from there on we've been chasing our sound live getting amps that that made us sound how we sounded on those records and and trying to you know get sound man to give us that clicky you know fucking you know, I don't know how many times we're like, dude, just make us sound like vulgar display of power. That's all we can kind of tell you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, fucking work with Snape was amazing. Um, and you know, uh, that those are all the things you miss when you're not on the big machine anymore. We, you know, we're on a, we, after century media and scars between us is when we, we really couldn't afford to work with Andy anymore. Unfortunately, he's gone on bond to be such a, a big name, you know. Well, now he plays with Judas Priest, so <laughs> the name is even yeah. bigger. <laughs> yeah, man. How and about that? That's and I'm sure amazing. he's busier, busier than ever too. It's probably hard just to get him to do any records now because he's so busy. Yeah. Well, you can always go back to mixing and just keep on rocking out the leather chaps, there, mate. Hell yeah, man! Shout out to him. I need to get him on the podcast. That would be that would be amazing. But uh, speaking oh. but speaking of, of of Century Media, so around that time, you know, you go from being more or less like a, a local band with, with some buzz and, you know, kind of with this, uh, within this West coast scene. And all of a sudden you have a, you have this record out, you have a label that has a global presence. Um, what, how did, how was your experience working with, with central media? Do you feel like they did a good job for you guys? Oh man. Yeah. That, yeah. That, you know, skin Lab's never had anything bad to say about central media. They always did so good for us. And, I mean, really, I mean, you, you see it, Doc. I mean, back then in the day, I mean, we had anything we, we, we needed as a band. I mean, we're constantly on tour, you know, we had buses, we had bands, we had equipment, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's everything that you kind of don't realize you have until it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? And, uh, and it was just, a, it was just a really cool time because I mean, look, we were 28 years old. We got signed. We were able to, you know, our first tour was, our first tour was actually with Machine Head. Our second tour was with Exodus. And Oh, that was your you second know, tour when yeah. I saw you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. we'd just come back from the United States. Um, we were supposed to be on the Machine Head Cold Chamber tour or something like that. And the last minute it fell through and we didn't get on it. So, yeah, we got on the Exodus tour and that's when we seen you guys. So our first tour in the States was on a bus with Exodus, you know, with our favorite band in the world, with my fa- my idol, you know, Paul Bailoff. And, uh, I mean, we were, yeah. Was that tour just <clears> as <throat> epic everywhere as it was as the show I, that we played? 
Absolutely not. Oh, really? Um, that, 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 that was a breath of fresh air. And I think all the guys in Exodus were totally stoked because they, uh, I mean, to look at where they are now and the work they put in, I mean, I, I didn't see it back then. I, you know, there was such a gray, I mean, I can remember on that tour, one, one of the days, you know, it was kind of almost like every other day, our bus broke down in Cleveland. And it just happened to be the same night the Testament was playing. And this is during their demonic album. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we went to the, uh, the Agora Ballroom, I think it might have been. And it was pretty, you know, I mean, there was enough Testament fans to rock the house, but you could definitely see it, it was a weird time for metal. You know what I mean? Um, but shit, keep on going. Look, look how much it pays off, you know? Yeah, no, 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 no doubt. Um, but speaking of that, you know, to me, you know, the record that I think really defined you guys and maybe still still does in, in many ways is uh, Disembody the New, the New Flesh. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the the production really took a, a, a step up. Everything just has this. I just love the way the drums sound and how punchy they are. The guitars have this really crisp kind of top end and clarity uh to them but it doesn't sound sterile it still sounds alive um yeah did you guys notice when that record came out um and obviously some of the biggest songs the band ever did did you feel did you feel that that you guys were really kind of taking a step up you know not not really we never really did we're pretty humble in what we do but i mean we were kind of you know that was Scott's Scott Sargent's first uh, time, first album. That was Snake's first album. I was pretty fucking scared to tell you the truth. You know, we didn't know because we took a more abrasive turn. Um, Scott got involved in production more with Andy, mm. and uh, they got an amazing guitar tone. You know, um, Scott did a lot of the writing, which was a lot, a uh, little straight, more straightforward than uh, I, I think. If you can look back, there is a big difference between Bound and Disembody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I don't think I was scared. I was just I wasn't sure what people were gonna were gonna think about with the new kind of in your, more in your face approach. I mean, because let's face it. I mean, I'm, we've just always been influenced by by our boys, Machine Head, and and like you know, fucking all these newer bands were coming out. We're like, oh fuck, we better step it up. You know, just like you do every time. It's like, uh, but. You know, you know what's, you know what's uh, funny though. I was listening to the record, especially "Disembodied." There's a lot of songs. I'm like, this could be a hate read song, like the, yeah, like your vocal style and the way it's tuned down. And because you you guys don't really do like the chunky breakdowns. Like your your stuff mm-hmm. is more like you'll have this heavy part, but then you'll go into like a more ambient kind of just really dark and dirgy, uh, moody kind of sections right. um mm-hmm. but it's not that far far removed you know i think from from something like that you know um totally. you know it's, a, well, it's that's a, what we were listening to yeah i mean that's what we were listening to hardcore before we went in to do the next record i mean uh I, we had a you probably know buzzard our guitar tech oh buzzard. yeah yeah shout out to buzzard yeah brett yeah shout out so i mean he he like brought in a lot of like uh new music he guitar tech for he played guitar for us at once also but he in, influenced or introduced us to different kinds of bands that hate were one of them and i was just fucking blown away by that first record and actually we met jamie he ended up booking a couple shows uh in connecticut i believe mm-hmm. 
uh, on those tours. So uh, I was like, get the fuck out of here. You're that singer. Are you? I, I was like picturing some big ass dude playing guitar, fucking singing, whatever. And it's that guy. And I was like, holy shit, man. So we were like totally influenced by, I think more, um, what's, I think more, uh, hardcore at that point. And, and I think you can kind of hear it. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 definitely. But it, it's interesting because you guys did on that record, you did one of the most kind of for, I guess, heavy music at that time, one of the more eclectic lineups I ever saw. And it was In Flames. I believe they were on Clayman or Colony, one of those one of those records. And or maybe that was the next record. I maybe it wasn't. I might have my, my timeline screwed up, but it was In Flames. Uh Earth Crisis, you guys, and I think Walls of Jericho, was that the opener? Yeah. yeah. What was it? Because I saw, I think I saw one or two of those shows. I think I saw a show in Brooklyn. And I just remember being like, this is just a strange mix. Of It, it, it was a strange mix, but I'll tell you what. I think it was a scene-defining tour. Yeah. Because I, now when I told you that the scene was changing and we, we were like, you know, uh, we could see it changing now around revolting room. That's when, you know, kill switch was coming out. You guys were coming out. There was a really big change in, in the momentum there. And we had never heard of walls of Jericho. You know, we had never really known who in flames were. We had to share a bus with them. And this was on our biggest record, you know, and, uh, you know, we were partying pretty fucking hard. Uh, revolting revolting room was your biggest record. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Uh huh. That was our biggest seller. Um, I'm not sure about right now, but and you know, along with that comes a little with a little alcohol comes a little arrogance, <laughs> you know. And uh, we we didn't really uh, we didn't really appreciate what was going on. I don't I don't think play the truth because there was a scene building right underneath our fucking toes, and we didn't even know it, you know. Um, I think sharing a bus with in, in flames put a direct blinder over our eyes. We didn't, we just didn't fucking understand what was going on. And at the end of the tour, I was like, Holy fuck, this band is going to be fucking huge. And then I started telling, you know, all my friends and they're like, what are you talking about? They're already huge. You know, I'm like, what? <laughs> really? Oh, okay. That makes sense. Okay. I get it. But I just, you know, you didn't see it coming. I, I did, but, um, you know, earth crisis, Balls of Jericho and Flames. I mean, you know, you could say you mix all those bands up, and I think a whole scene came out after them that just molded that yeah, kind of influence. Yeah, it was it was an interesting time because, you know, especially when I, I think about Revolting Room, because I, I noticed a lot, because um, obviously, you know, I, I was on the same record label as you guys, but I was just a fan, and I was the type of guy where, I knew who was producing what records, and I was always fascinated. And that record you guys did with Steve Evans, correct? Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. the production, it, you know, it actually threw me for a loop because I, you know, I had to kind of, you have one way you kind of tend to think about a band. And the production on on uh, Roll Room is still really good, but it's a bit more like, it's almost, it's just more, more organic and a bit more yeah. kind of like, it doesn't quite have that top end thing that you associate with 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 Andy Sneap and then you had this whole thing where the record had a little more kind of new metal simplicity 
if that makes sense. Um, And then, and so at that time you had, you know, even though new metal was really big, you had what you were talking about where all of a sudden there was this new thing coming out. So it was like all these things kind of crossing all at the same time, right? Where even though sometimes something is at its peak, it's also kind of, it be, you know, at least in the underground sense of things, it becomes like, quote unquote, not cool, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. like I said, and if you're not really paying attention, then yeah, sometimes things can go uh, under your radar. And the next thing you know, you're like, well, what, what the hell just, just happened? But I do think there were so many. So it's funny because you mentioned Earth Crisis because they made a record called Slither that was out yeah. then. And they completely changed their sound. They basically made... Yeah a new metal record uh, for a band mm-hmm. that was, you know, one of the With most. Steve Evans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Steve Evans connection. Um, you know, Steve Evans did uh, the first God forbid record. So I have a good relationship yeah. with him. He's been on this podcast before as well. I love Steve. Um, yeah. And well, uh, dude, there's a crazy story for all that, you know, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, 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 go, no, go ahead. I mean, real. <laughs> I don't think you realize that, that. So, Steve Evans recorded that record. He mixed it and everything. And I, I think it's okay to go and uh, tell everybody now. I mean, many, many years later, it's, it's a few people know about it, but it, uh, I mean, it, it was kind of crazy because there was a period where Roadrunner was actually going to buy Skin Lab from Century Media, or they were trying to, or, or right? This was going on. And we had brought the record, you know, we were staying in Soho, walked down there, and we had brought the record out to Roadrunner for them to hear it, and fucking they all loved it, and, you know, there was some negotiations trying to get get going, and uh, a couple people had expressed that, hey, uh, you know, maybe this isn't the sound that Skin Lab needs to go for, you know, Um, and we were kind of questioning that, too. I mean, we love Steve, you know, but it was a little bit more clean and a little more organic than we kind of liked because we hired him because we love Hatebreed. Uh, was it Satisfaction to his, yep, what, yep. the first album? Okay. Uh, we love fucking Glassjaw. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, man, give me the Glassjaw sound. I love that bass tone. Just, yeah, fuck, give me the Hatebreed sound. You know, you know, fucking every fucking young, dumb musician wants to sound like everybody else, but you can't unless you're fucking them, right? Well, we don't know that. And I'm just, you know, so... Oh, some and some uh, someone expressed to Century Media that we sh- that maybe this record should be, you know, maybe we should call Ann Steen to to come in and remix it. So that's what you're hearing, you know. And not too many people know this, but it's that that is what you're hearing. Andy came in and he mixed it. and basically he remixed everything. Snake, Snake and I were supposed to fly out to England, and I fucking missed my flight. And um, and Snake had to go out there and stay for a month by himself and actually re-record everything. And they re-remixed the album and fucking, I don't want to say salvaged, but basically fucking reformatted everything. And what you hear is what, you know, what they were able to do, which is amazing because there's a bit of Andy and a bit of Snape, or excuse me, a bit of uh, Evitz in there. So, you know, what's that, funny is that's I, what happened. I think I actually did hear that story, that, uh, but like, but, but I literally heard it, you know, when all this stuff happened and then I forgot about it. So you kind of reintroduced me to that, to that story. But listen, that stuff, 
I feel like it used to happen a lot more back in the day because there was just more budgets for things like that. Like, I feel like today, because, you know, unless you're a massive band, the margins are a lot thinner. So if, you know, that someone's not vibing on a mix, they're like, yeah, well, we're out of money. <laughs> and they just right. roll, roll with it. But back then, you know, it was especially, you know, you had guys like, like, you know, Monty Connor, for example, who, you know, I, I was talking like some of the, the devil driver guys and they would he would master a record you know five different times until he was happy with it um and you know it was a, you know the process was just a bit more meticulous you know and they and they and the you know i think the people really believed that the market would shift depending on on how the record sounded you know yeah but, well that and, and you know that was a weird weird time so so i'll tell you about my, my boy mike gitter right we went down to his office and he put in the new kill switch engage demo. And he's like, so uh, you know, you know, Mike, right? Oh yeah. Uh, always chomping on a piece of gum in his office, chopping away. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, check this out and fucking put it in his press play and fucking just about blew our fucking eardrums out. At you know, he had it blaring at eleven. It was Kill Switch's demo, right? Oh yeah. And I, he's I, like, I got the same demo, so I know I it changed my life too, <laughs> dude. I looked at him and he seen the look in my eyes and I was just like, holy fuck, we can't release this record. He's like, no, 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 you can't, <laughs> you know, kind of just like, yeah, I might want to rethink that buddy. Uh, Cause this is coming out, you know, these are the demos, you know? And I was just blown fuck away. So dude, that record just basically kicked us in the fucking nuts right after we had gotten the mixes for revolting Moon. And, uh, I mean, and, and that should not even ever take anything away from, you know, Evitz cause he did a great job fucking doing the album that he thought we wanted. Right. I mean, yeah. when, when a producer has a vision and, and a band directs them, well, you just kind of do what they're directing to do. Um, but there's a lot of other, you know, moving parts to the things and a lot of people's influence, you know, and, you know, definitely wasn't just me. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's funny though, the way that, that works because I think about, you know, think about like uh, machine head, for example, who did all these records with Colin and Andy and they kind of, it was like a particular sound and then they do a record with Ross Robinson and it just doesn't sound the same. It doesn't, you know, for my ears, it doesn't quite have the quote unquote machine head sound. And then they kind of went back to a, you know, a sound you were more, we were more, um, familiar with and then all of a sudden it feels more like machine head you know it, it yep. a lot of that stuff and i think sometimes artists you want to be feel like you're open-minded and you want to feel like you're okay with change and evolving and sometimes you are and sometimes you think you are and then it doesn't happen that actually happened with um kill switch as well they did the the last record that Howard did, uh, Brandon O'Brien produced. And usually Adam D uh, produces all their records. And I guess when they were, while they were in that mix, I don't know if it happened uh, during the mix down or during tracking, but at some point Adam just, he just took over and he he couldn't, <laughs> he was, they weren't comfortable with, they were like, hey, this is our sound, this is our signature sound. And, and you know, I mean, it, it goes a lot of different ways because, Sometimes, you know, a band changing things up is the best thing for them, you know, but sometimes it can also ruin a band, right? Both ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, um, well, you know, I mean, we've, we've, uh, we've been in both different situations, you know, we've had people that just don't listen to us and do whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And that, that sucks as well. It's always, you know, I, I always go into a project with my guard down. Um, cause you know, everyone thinks I'm big, bad Steve or whatever, but you know, I like to, I like this. I like everyone to be involved and do their thing, you know, and, I know we'll get to it in a sec, but that's kind of where we ended up. We're fucking really stoked with what we just did. Um, I'll let you take us there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well before, before we do get there, because, you know, you said Revolting Room was your most, uh, your biggest seller, which I didn't realize. Um, but the band, you know, wasn't active too much longer after that record came out. Can you give us any insight on uh, on what happened? Oh yeah, we blew the wheels off the machine, man. Um, I mean, we were we toured. I think we toured eleven months. Okay, on that that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, dude, you know, I mean, Skin Lab. We were toured dogs, dude, and we're about to do it again. But I mean, we really we were out for every record at least ten months. You know, yeah. uh, we did. <laughs> I mean, for a while there, once we'd get over to Europe, they fucking wouldn't let us come home. You know, and. uh that's fine when you're a little kid and everything. Um, but revolting room, it seemed that the, the, the scene really did change. We were really starting to see it. The tours that we were doing weren't catering to us, uh, moving on and, and kind of getting involved with the, with this new scene, because I did have a, I had a connection, you know, my, my boys at 36 who I got signed to Roadrunner. They're, you know, they, those are your homies. You know, you guys were gigging with them all the time. No doubt. And I was I was trying to get us in that niche. But I think with the substance we were working with and, you know, at the time, Century Media wasn't a big label. No one wanted to fuck with us. You know what I mean? We had to fight for everything we had the 15, 12 years that we were on the label. Um, I mean... I couldn't remember how many times people would just write off the four guys for just a death metal label or, you know, some small label from Germany or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and it just wasn't true. I mean, these guys were some of the hardest working dudes out there, you know what I mean? And now we're all seeing that, but back then, you know, um, we were either on tour with the bands that were coming back from being broken up for 10 years. Right. Or we were just, Towards the end, we were out on tour with the dope, you know, flaw. Yeah, yeah. And band, they had bands that, it, luckily, some of our music projected to those people, but a lot of our fans weren't going to go to those shows. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I think this, this happens every now and again. You'll have a band that, in a sense, is like not really in one particular scene. And so you, so, the truth is, a lot of the ways uh, music becomes successful is in ways, right? It's never just, it's rarely just one act on their own. It's like, it's sure. a group of bands, sometimes from a similar area, but they share a commonality in mm -hmm. uh, maybe the sound or the vibe or, or everything. And obviously that always changes. Something that was in style goes out of style. And then those bands have to figure out how they're going to live. Usually the biggest bands survive because they're just they're just big, uh, and usually the not nine out of ten times the best bands are the biggest, so that that also helps. Um, but I definitely can kind of you know if you take a bird's eye view, you can definitely see how Skin Lab was kind of 
um, you know, a traveler with no home because you guys were doing, like I said, this kind of groove metal thing, which was really like this blip in time for about seven or eight years where you had this handful of, of bands and then new metal happened, right? And you could kind of see what you guys are doing, right? Like it wasn't too far off from like a soul fly, you know, or like you said, Machine Head and Machine Head went full on new metal, right? Brought in right. kind of the the hip hop um, stuff with the with the with the vocals and got a little more, um, you know, kind of weird with like the guitar effects and bouncy stuff. They they really simplified it and it was really divisive, right? Because the uh, uh, Burning Red was their biggest selling record, but it also turned off a lot of their older fans. But but at least they made a hard decision, right? right. Well, we're yeah. gonna. <laughs> We're gonna pivot and we're gonna kind of align ourselves with this this scene, and then eventually, though, it kind of it didn't it didn't work out. But how did they survive? They kind of latched onto the new wave American heavy metal and evolved their sound in that way, and that's the way that band survived. Um, right. And you know, and I'm just that's just one example. I um, think it was the Dimebag song in their position, but yeah, and that's what allowed them to be accepted back in that scene. I think. Well, I just, um, I just think it was there. I think they went back to being embracing the thrash metal roots and they they, they brought bigger guitar solos and these, you know, it just, but it, it, it worked with the triviums and the lamb of gods. And it felt Mm -hmm. concurrent with, with that. Um, like I said, there's some bands, right. You take a band like tool, for example, like, do they have to be a part of any scene? No, they're tool. They're just, they just exist as the deftones, even though they came up in new metal, are they a part of that now? It's like, no, they do shows with the cure and, you know, indie rock bands, like they're their own thing. But if you're, if you, if you get big enough, you can be an Island, but right, right. at certain levels, you know, and um, you know, this is something God forbid experience to a certain degree where we, you know, we, all we wanted to do was be accepted by the metal community. Even though we came up in the hardcore metalcore scene, we wanted to be seen as a legitimate heavy metal band and that and every step we took was trying to do that and it it worked but it was never like it just the the claws didn't get in at quite as deep as we would have hoped you know yeah mm-hmm. well from the outside from the outside it looked pretty good yeah no no, no, no. We, had, we had some success for sure <laughs> yeah man no i you know it, what could you say you know um just kind of I, one thing that we could be one one thing that we're going to go down in our grave, and when Skin Lab's all done, is that we never chased any scenes. Yeah, and that could be that could be the, our demise, or it could be our swan song. You know, I mean, I, or excuse me. So, it, you know what I mean? I'm no, no, I know sure exactly what, what, I'm, what, what I'm latching onto, <laughs> right? But it's just the, the honor. The, I think again, it's where we're from, man. It's the Bay Area. We keep a lot of the shit true here. And I think that one thing that that is in the Bay Area blood is the honesty through our music. And it, whether, you know, I, I, I think like what you were saying, you know, um, like for instance, Machine Head's uh, Burning Red, to me, I mean, that's, that is a record that stands the t- test of time. So what that's what I'm hoping to do I'm hoping to kind of surpass scenes, you know what I mean? And just kind of be like the dude, like I, I seen Avenge Sevenfold uh, re- respond, you know, to a quote and they were like, well, your record only sold 500,000 or something the first week, you know, what are you going to do now? He's like, dude, it ain't about the first week. It's about the end game. 
And I was just like, wow, that's so fucking true, man. It, it's so true. It's about the last man standing. And we're still standing. And I think we just fucking put out the most, uh, div not diverse, uh, I think it's going to be one of the most enjoyable skin lab records for a fan. Well, I, I can say this. There's a track out now called Overcoming. And I just listened to it. Uh, and it sounds great. I really like it. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, but... Um, Let's get to that in a second. I want to talk about a, a band. So we talked about this uh, before the podcast officially started. Um, but you had a band with Snake called Reignition, named after the uh, the Bad Brain song. I'm yes, sorry. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, and this was around 2000. Even though the record came out 2006, um, I started working with God Forbid's manager Christy Prisky uh, to help manage the band. Um, and it was, you know, it was more on the rock side of things. You guys had a, a fantastic vocalist, um, yes. and which is, uh, interesting for you. Cause obviously you've, you know, been the front man for, for so long. Um, how did, uh, how did the reignition, uh, band come about? So guys, this is doc. I'm cutting in real quick. Cause I wanted to play you a little clip of, this band reignition because not too many people know about it and it's so good um it's if you're looking it up it's re uh, colon ignition and their album they put out is called empty heart loaded gun and i'm gonna play a little bit of a track called take what you want but i think is great for context because you'll kind of you'll get where, where i'm where i'm coming from um when we kind of talk about this a little bit in the podcast so check it out
I want to go to Japan. They don't want no big ass frontman singer up there. <laughs> <laughs> I got the skinny white dude, bro. <laughs> no, what basically I, I reignition was my, uh, it's where I needed to get, I felt like I, I had watered down the music, at least my portion of what I wrote for skin lab on the revolt room. I kind of watered shit down a little bit. I was influenced by different stuff. You know, if we back up a little bit about the, you know, what happened to Revolting Rooms, like, you know, you got your peers coming up to you here, like, fucking love them, dude. Yeah, fuck, man, man, if it wasn't for Pale Face, fucking, you know, I'm not sure we did. You know, you start listening to these bands, like, well, they're big. Fuck, maybe we should try some of that shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and you kind of, I, I don't, I'm not lose perspective, but you, you know, your eyes on the prize, man. My eye has always been on the prize. And, um, whether it's fucking brutality slayer or it's reignition, you know, I mean, it's in my blood and it's, it's, it's definitely in my blood as far as the music. So reignition was just a way to get music that skin lab fans wouldn't necessarily appreciate out of my system and, uh, connected, you know, me and snake switch spots. Um, he plays, he played bass and I started playing guitar. Oh, and I don't think I even remember that. Yeah, yeah. Me and uh, Tim, the guitar player for Sacrilege BC, um, he he plays guitar and Snake plays bass. And the singer that was uh, Mark. No, no. Mark Hernandez is the drummer, and he's the drummer for Dress of the Dead and Forbidden. Gotcha, gotcha. And then and he was the drummer for Violence as well. But um, no, um, it was Dave Moore was the singer. Dave, Dave. Uh, sorry, I got that. Mixed yeah, up. and the star of the show, really. Um, I mean, we basically all took a back seat for that dude. I mean, he's he's not only a fucking phenomenal song singer, but he's an, an amazing songwriter. So, uh, yeah, it was a good time and just a weird time to release an album, right? You know, try to find a label that's going to push it and, and do everything they're supposed to. It, it that was a that was a big flopper. <laughs> were you guys trying to go full time with that? Uh, well, yeah, we were, we would we would have. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, you know, we all we all have our, our lives and, you know, Skin Lab was enough to put the brakes on for being Snake. You know, we wanted to see if we could try this on a bigger level. So along with bigger songs came bigger hopes, <laughs> you yeah. know, but uh, I mean, just, just a fan of all that stuff. I love it. I'm a Seven Dust dude. You know, I'm a fucking Bad Wolves dude. You know, I, fucking, I love that shit. And that's, you know, I'm fucking good music that everyone can relate to. And yeah, it was, it was, I think it was overlooked, but we've, uh, you know, we've always said never say never. And, uh, you know, we're all still alive and we've always talked about doing some other stuff, you know, um, you know, is, is Dave still doing music? Yeah, no, not music. See, that's, that's what I was getting at. Dave is an amazing tattoo artist. In oh, Berkeley. Okay. He isn't like an amazing tattoo artist. And, uh, and he also knows that he's an amazing vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> he knows so he it. don't really care. Yeah, he does it. You know, he doesn't really care. Um, and that's kind of the fun thing about it is because he doesn't. It's it's like having that super hot girlfriend that doesn't act like she's fucking hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, because he sure doesn't act like a prima donna ass, but we all know who the star of the show is. We used to call ourselves the doo-wops. <laughs> we, were, we were the background dudes, you know? Did, did you like that? Did you like taking a step back? I absolutely do. I still love. You like like why is motherfuckers making me do all this yelling? 
yeah. And everyone's been fucking tired of yelling at me. And then I got the dudes that work for me. Like, dude, you yell at me on stage. Stop yelling at me all day. <laughs> so, during yeah, this- man, you were our manager for a second there, bro. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've, um, it was a thing where, you know, with God forbid, I tended to, I just gravitated towards being at the, uh, the forefront a lot of the band business and it just happened that way it wasn't because i was like hey i need to do shit it just kind of right. you know things just a natural hierarchy tends to develop uh with with certain bands not all bands but um and you know and i and i think our manager she just saw some some potential uh for me in that arena and it was it was a really cool time you know to get some experience and try and help out other bands i'm not sure how good of a job i did um uh, and even a few, you know, a few years later, actually, was it a few years later? Around that time, I was, uh, you know, me and Lorenzo from uh, Sworn Enemy were, we were managing uh, Irate, was a New York deathcore band for a minute. And then when I moved out to L.A., I was, you know, kind of helping out a couple bands. But I kind of realized for me, with that end of things, I can't, I personally can't be an artist and be a manager at the same time. I feel like if I'm, I'm going to be a manager, I have to not think about you know i think because when you're an artist you're just a little too selfish you know um and you're trying to you're trying to get ahead so it's it's you'll be able to divide that some people can do it like zoltan you know from uh you know five finger who works with with bad wolves you know he's able to do that in a in a different kind of way um that for me i felt like i wasn't able to separate those things as well i feel like when your plate fills up then you could kind of help other people but when you're trying to fill your plate up you're still trying to feed yourself and you know yeah and keep someone else's we're like oh, that's kind of good gig but we got offered it too <laughs> or whatever yeah i dig it man yeah plus that, yeah plus you're at his level too you can just make more shit happen you know whereas like if you're in a more struggling band you're just struggling enough just to get by yourself so yeah i think that makes a lot of sense as well well, a, a musical renaissance, man. Keep it going, bro. Trying, man. Trying. Uh, but I still love helping bands and discovering bands. Or it's like if I hear a, a cool thing, I can pass off to a label or to a, you know, a lawyer and any, anyone that I, that I think you know. But it's, one thing I've noticed is a lot of the stuff I'm into lately is not necessarily commercially viable in the way that the industry is kind of demanding now. Um, mm. And that's just because I think I like really weird <laughs> things you know like if stuff is a little too uh straight ahead it, it kind of doesn't keep, uh hold my interest in a, in a real big way Out, outside of stuff that's already popular you know um but anyway i kind of want to i'm interested in um so you you had this gap you know revolting room 2002 obviously you work with reignition and then the next skin light album doesn't come out till 2009 and i'm annoyed because scars between us i could not find it on uh on spotify so i had to go to youtube to check it to check it out and uh it's a really cool record it sounds it's really well uh produced um what did you got what was basically when you had this period of of hiatus or like hey you know skin lab is gonna be my main thing all the time um like, what was your process? Did you always have, like, a job when you weren't doing Skin Lab? Or did you have to, like, figure out kind of a career on the fly? Uh, dude, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't until I met my wife, my wife actually saved me out of the warehouse that half of us Bay Area dudes grew up in, uh, and, and 
rehearsed and slept at. <laughs> um, no, I mean, when Skin Lab started, uh, we were we we're all painters. <laughs> we were all houses painters. And stuff? Yeah, house painters, commercial painters, and we actually had this guy. Uh, shout out to Alan Joyce who who employed us all, us Forty Grit. Uh, fucking, I think you know, I think Adam Deuce even worked there. You know, for a couple times. That you know, we had all the Bay Area bands came through there, and it's funny because there'd be half a crew on Friday. You know, everyone's fucking like, I got a gig. I got to leave at 12 o'clock. Fucking shows not till 10. You know? <laughs> but so, yeah, we were, we were always painters, but Skin Lab was known to, dude, we, we'd fucking go to Australia, be home that day, and I'd be known to be on a ladder and, and, and work. Not because I have to, because I love it, bro. That's what I do now. My company's called Always Working, you know? Um, I just love grinding, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of us, all of us work to keep it going and, you know, to, to, to answer the, the, the gap between, uh, scars and now and, and between revolving room and scars, basically it came down to, you know, um, after revolting room, we were, we were beating ourselves up and that's what I was getting at. You know, some of us, I mean, fucking snake almost died on the road. A couple, not, I wouldn't say died, but, uh, just, some shit with his head where he was just getting dizzy. I mean, just was, couldn't even stand up. For so long is this period. from drinking and partying and stuff like this? No, no. Snake was never a real dr- drinker. He's never really a crazy partier. You know, we, we smoke, you know, that's what skin lab does. We're stoners. <laughs> We're never really a big drug band. So, you know, it was, uh, the, well, I will say this. Yeah. You know, we lost control of what we knew how to do and it was time to put the brakes on. How about that? Yeah, that's the best way I could describe it without putting any blame on anybody. Because you asked me earlier, Century Media did all they could for us. They fucking did everything they could for us. And sometimes the workhorse has to fucking stop working and fucking and, and look around and observe the world. You know, I had two I had a, had a baby. The other guys didn't, um, but you know, they they understood and allowed me to take some time off you know my kids were on i don't know if you ever seen us with my babies on tour but they toured with us a lot you know and uh had to put the brakes on and, and enjoy life and, and you know you know kind of build up my ammo you know what i mean all of us all of us build up our ammo and uh we've all you know some of us bought homes some of us own businesses and we're 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 set. We're ready to go. You know, kind of, kind of different than what you would expect. You know, like from a band starting again. You know, uh, but realistically, I mean, you know, life, life has its demands, and you know, you uh, you have to call to them. No, no. I listen, man. I you know, I, obviously, kids change things for you know a lot. You know, so many people in in this industry. Uh, especially once you, you hit a certain age and it, it makes people, you know, have to reassess uh, how they're going to approach it. If you can still do it, you know, some, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't have children yet, uh, but I can only imagine how much that uh, changes your calculus about how you're going to uh, carry forward. Um, between, you know, after scars between us, um it, like what's up with the label with that? Is there a reason why it's not uh, available on on uh, Spotify? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was just again, it was a weird time. It was MySpace days, you know. Skin Lab didn't mean shit on MySpace next to Suicide Silence. You know what I mean? Like it just we it was hard. We didn't fucking have nobody biting. It was just kind of a weird dormant time. 
and uh, we met a, a really cool cat that was just starting a label. You know, had some daddy money and fucking loved the band. So he thought he was going to start a label, and uh, you know, he he got it going. Actually, he had a, another band on there called Flatline. Yeah, had Travis from uh, in this moment and uh, the other guitar player, right? So he invested in a couple of bands, but uh, it, it was just a hobby that he was trying to do, you know, and we needed a vehicle to get out there and it just made shit sense to, I mean, we were never, we're never one of those bands that, that, okay, we're going to save up 10 grand or, or do we know someone that's just going to spot us a fucking record time? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're never that band. I want a fucking label that's going to pay for this shit. Like it should, you know? And, uh, so we, we did. And we, we found that. And uh, so that that's why it's uh, I, I think we're going to we have some plans for that album. You're trying and, to like buy it back or something. Well, we own it now. Oh, you do own it. OK. Yeah. And the, the dude's totally cool, man. I mean, we could just do whatever we want, but we would always count him in on any move we make. That's just how we are. You know, well, that's cool, man. It's, it's cool. It seems like you guys, you know, have maintained your relationships in the uh, in the industry and kind of, uh, you know, kept things on on good uh you know level which is difficult because so many i've noticed this is that a lot of artists who have had certain struggles they get bitter and they 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 tend to blame you know oh this is why the label that's where they suck the agent so everyone sucks except them yeah yeah <laughs> it's not our fault yeah no that's good i mean that's- hey we've had the, we've had our issues with our agents we've had our issues with, with the bands but i mean I, I we look back at it now and i mean it, we had a we had every opportunity in the world. We fucking we'd had a, we've had a great ride, you know what I mean. We've done more than most bands still done do, and uh, and we're still going. So yeah, so let's let's it. talk about this um this 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 new record. Uh, it's entitled Venomous. Is that yes, correct? Sir. And it'll be out uh in October, two thousand eighteen. Yep. Same day as your record, buddy. Oh, October twenty fifth, right on. October twenty fifth. Everyone's listening. You got to buy both those records, you sons of bitches. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, the, the song "Overcoming" is is streaming right now. It's really good. I was at, I was really in, in, impressed with it. Who did you guys uh, uh, track this with? So this time we we were able to work with one of our favorite producers ever, uh, Ulrich Wild. Oh no uh, shit! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stepping out of the box, you know. I mean, work with Andy, and you know, he's got uh, Andy and like uh, Juan or Tiaga, our buddy, who's done uh, who did Scars. You know, just kind of stepping out of the box and going for more of a a, a modern thing. But um, yeah, man, we're we're really we're really stoked. Uh, it, it's been a long time coming. You know, um, I actually had to listen to it today, just again, so I could be, you know, as psyched as I am every time I listen to it for your interview. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you're the only one listening to it for two months, you're like, yeah, this is cool. Okay, great. Are they really going to like it? Wait, this is fucking badass. Holy shit. Yeah, you got to remind yourself. You're like, am I good? (laughs) I have to see if I'm actually, did we make a good album? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Is Bobby going to like it? You know? Uh, uh, Right now, bro, our guard's down. Um, We we have no idea where we stand in the world of metal. Um, You know, we know we're still a viable source of metal. Um, but it's it's kind of exciting, man. Because I mean, I, I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but I, I'm I'm really excited because it's, it's like you know, shit, eleven eleven years in the making, um, 
and I think we've stayed true to, to everything that Skin Lab's known for. So, um, who? What label is this coming out on? Okay, so we have a new label um, called Art Is War Records. Um, it's a label that. So w- once again, we're we. Uh, if I, I'll back up a little bit here. We, we signed a deal with the label that I, I won't say. Right, fucking shit fell through. We basically burned it. And uh, that very day, we got a call from another investor. You know, basically, what's going to take for, to get a skin lab record out? Right. Like, well, it's it could take five dollars, but it's going to take thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> and a Big Mac. Okay. So uh, yeah, he's like, cool. I got that. You know. So basically, you know, our manager Sean Glass, um, we basically started a label with all of our connections. Uh, we reached out to our resources and everyone that we've met out in the industry industry and kind of outsourced people that, you know, our, our maybe our previous label would, would hire. So, um, so yeah, so the art is war has been together now since, since we signed the deal with them a year ago. And, uh, it's been a great ride, you know, pretty exciting because, uh, we have, we have, we do have hands on, we have a great, uh, we have a, great relationship with our owner and uh, everything's starting to happen like like he said it would so we're pretty excited right on man well well i'm definitely excited for it and i think it's just listen just anyone who can have any longevity in this industry and have longevity with quality because you know anyone can stick around if you kind of you know progressively sucking uh worse but you know you know having the opportunity myself to just review the the whole band's career it's really impressive how how consistent uh the creative output has been um even even if it's been more sparse and i think you know it it, it is i think a little more difficult when you're not on a bigger label like century media to get the push and perhaps the awareness especially when you take long longer times between records and things just there's so much turnover you know um but for one, I am a person, I just, you know, I have respect for anyone that has that drive and just the the passion, you know, to keep doing this because you know how it is. You know how much of yourself it takes, your time, your money, your your effort, um, you know, physically, how, how much it takes out of you just to get on that stage and be in a van or a bus and the travel and, and everything. It's, it's, it's a big, monumental investment, so. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And that's one you just will never give in, you know? Well, right on, man. Well, Steve, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. I'm going to play the new track and definitely implore all the listeners to uh, to check out the record and, and pick it up, man. So thank you so much. Awesome, bro. Thank you. I appreciate it. Definitely, man. Take care. All right, bro. Bye-bye. Yeah.
So that track was entitled Overcoming, and it's actually the new single from the brand new Skin Lab album, which dropped actually the same day as the Battles album on October 25th, and it's entitled Venomous, and I guarantee you the whole album is very, very good. I was... They sent me the uh, the promo, and I, I I just I thought it was great, and I'm I'm happy that the the band is back together and doing things, and it's on a came out on Art Is War Records, which actually sponsored this podcast a while back, and they have bands like All Hell the Yeti, and um, who did they just sign? They just signed King Eight Ten, exactly. And uh, Max Cavalera's son's band. I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head. But anyway, but uh, they're a very cool record label and clearly signing very, very cool bands. So huge thanks to Steve for coming on, doing the show, and you know, telling everything about, about their history. Because I, I don't know how many people out there know, you know everything that happened with Skin Lab. Because they, you know, they were around and doing a lot of things during a certain period. And kind of just, you know how it is, man. Shit gets hard out here. It gets real out here for a pimp. Know what I'm saying? Anyway, guys, I got something going on, all right? I got a big problem. The Mandalorian, I could watch right now, motherfucker. And I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you guys, all right? So I got to fucking go and watch this fucking Star Wars show that's going to be at the bomb diggity. I love you guys, but I just can't hang out all night. I got shit to do. You know what I'm saying? I got, you know, potato chips to eat and ice cream down the lobby that's just sitting there with my name on it. And like, hey, Doc, do you, do you, do you like sit-ups? Like, nope. Like that ice cream. God damn it. So I'm going to think about that. And, uh, you know, just say thank you for the support. And, uh, you know, I'll see you motherfuckers next week and shit. God damn it. I don't know why I'm so cursing so much today. I got, must be cranky. I can't tell. Anyway, I'm out. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The The Corner Corner of Gray Street. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.